Welcome, brothers and sisters, to our auditory celebration of the human experience. This is a podcast where two siblings indulge their curiosities into topics known and yet unknown, and relate personal insights to give you a little context. Episode 3, Crows and Magpies. Hello, welcome, and thank you for listening to A Little Context, a brother-sister podcast where Matt and Devin talk about a variety of topics and whatever else they feel like talking about. My name is Matt. My name is Devin. I would like to know, Devin, what's new? So, I had a really good week. I did a lot of good things. Yesterday, I... Well, so for those of you who listened to... Our spam episode, I talked about how I had gone for the first run in a very long time. I have since switched. I've given up on running. That was last week. It's gone. (laughs) Running is out. Roller skating is in. So yesterday I went roller skating with Caleb, my husband, and then our neighbors, Emmy and Skylar. I should just say our friends. (laughs) Emmy and Skylar, they're way more than neighbors. So we just roller skated. Well, Caleb was on his longboard. The rest of us were roller skating or rollerblading. And it felt like when you're kids and skateboarding down the hill in your neighborhood, it was really fun and just something to pass the time, but also be active with your friends. It was really nice. Yeah, getting out and doing fun things on wheels does have a special way of bringing us back to moments when when we did that before. And you and I, Devin, we we had a good time skating around on on the streets of our neighborhood. Yeah, I specifically remember using that ripstick. I think we both got a ripstick for Christmas one year, and we would just like bomb down the same hill. And I never tried anything new, but you were always doing tricks and things. I just was like, okay, going back to the top of the hill. I made it down. Let's go back. <laughs> it, it was not. It was not a very steep hill. As no, I remember it was just the street <laughs> next to ours. There was like a notable incline, but you probably wouldn't even realize it unless you were trying to roll against it. Yeah, and I, I remember that street was our favorite because it got paved at one point, and it had this fresh pavement that it kept its its nice smooth form. While all the other roads were degrading and falling apart, it was just full of gravelly pits. But that street was smooth. That was that was <laughs> nice. So, what's new with you? Not too much. So, I I was I was looking online at some stickers because I have a theory that giving people stickers is a good anytime gift. Like if you want to give somebody a gentle tiding. Or if you need something in a pinch, having like some nice stickers on hand in a variety of styles. Like if you go to somebody's party, you're like, hey, here's some stickers. <laughs> All of a sudden, you're a welcome guest. Guaranteed. You just gave them stickers. So did, did somebody give you stickers or d- did you find a bunch of stickers and stock up? Oh, I, I found a website that has a bunch of stickers uh, they don't sponsor this show, so I'm not going to call out the website. But I, I, I spent this morning just browsing that website and filling up my shopping cart with different stickers that I thought looked nice. Nice. I love yeah. window shopping. 
that that works both in person and online because we've got browser windows. Never yeah. really thought about that before. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are looking at a different topic today and bringing a little context to you about crows. So for those of you who listened to our first episode, I had mentioned if you want to hear more about crows, let us know and maybe we'll do an episode about it. Well, you're in luck. My friend Megan listened to our intro episode and agreed that crows are quite cool because how could you not? So she said something that got me thinking, though. She said, here in Northern Ireland, we bow down to magpies. It was like really interesting wording to me. So it got me thinking, what bird is best to worship? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the best bird to worship i'm sure that that's what megan had in mind and i just want to say thank you megan for uh yes uh, thank you megan this, this inspiration <laughs> yes i had a lot of fun looking into this there is a lot of information and i'm not sure that i fully understand it see i gave up on birding if you remember correctly so i am not an ornithologist i'm not an expert with any of this Please tell me if I'm wrong. So here's what I've got. (laughs) Obviously, the coolest fact is that a group of crows is called a murder. (laughs) And everyone knows that fact. That's nothing new, but it's still awesome. All right. Do you know what a group of geese is called? Uh, Gander? No. Oh, no. A gaggle. A gaggle. And wait, what is a group of nuns? Um, Is that also a gaggle? No, I think that's another murder. (laughs) A murder of nuns? No, I don't think so. that doesn't sound right. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to entertain yourself for an afternoon, definitely look up some some different group names. There are some really good ones. I think opossums, I think the group name for that is like, it's a committee. I think it's possums. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) the next piece that I have here is a lot of people confuse crows and ravens, right? So you think of a crow, you may think of that nursery rhyme, you know, the counting nursery rhyme where if you if you see a certain number of crows, it is an omen. It goes Ah. one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy, five for silver, six for gold, seven for a secret never to be told, eight for a wish, nine for a kiss. 10, a surprise you should be careful not to miss. 11 for health, 12 for wealth, 13, beware, it's the devil himself. It's obviously very superstitious, but it's a fun nursery rhyme and it's fun like when you count the crows and you're like, oh, five for silver, maybe I will have good fortune this week. So is that how the band Counting Crows got its name? You know what? So Richard actually asked me the same thing. He said, is that not why? And I was like, you know what? You're probably right. And I didn't look it up. (laughs) I didn't didn't look it up. I didn't go any further than that. But I think that's probably correct. I'm going to go ahead and say, even though I didn't look it up and I don't have any idea, I can't even name a Counting Crows song. That's definitely it. 100 percent. The the other thing I want to say is (laughs) that I've heard those before, but it wasn't about crows. It was about magpies. Okay, so that was going to be my next thing is so Megan 
sent me that nursery rhyme and said, yeah, we even have a wee nursery rhyme for magpies. She didn't know that we have it for crows. I didn't know they had it for magpies. You know why? What is it secret? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not secret. It's because they're the same bird, basically. They don't look the same, but they are the same genus. So crows, ravens, and magpies are all part of the Corvus genus. Now, okay. if you're fact-checking me at home, you may be looking up a different type of magpie. There's the Australian magpie, which is the one that's pretty famous for swooping. You know those videos where <laughs> somebody's riding a bike and they've got this crazy helmet on because these birds will attack your head and, like, scrape your eyes out? Like, it's not fun. Wow, magpies sound like dicks. By the way, I'm going in with the bias where I'm rooting for the home team. These crows are definitely going to be the better bird if I have anything to say about it. Good luck, magpies. <laughs> so, I mean, you can pick your poison basically with these birds because, first of all, they're groups of birds. There are different types of magpies. There are different types of ravens. And there are different types of crows. But mm. they're all part of the Corvus genus, which actually I think it's Latin for raven. But we call them all crows. Our translation of it is crow. I'm pretty sure that it means raven in Latin. All I got to say is that's another point for crows. <laughs> I mean, are you listening? They're the same bird. Yeah, no, but, I'm just saying. Yeah, you're right. Crows are best. Crows are well, best. all right. In scientific classification of organic life, there's genus, and then after genus, the more specific one is species. So they are different species. They aren't the same. Right. They belong to the same genus, but they are different species uh, of birds. Can't we all just get along? No. <laughs> so crows show up a lot in literature as well. Of course, you've heard of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. So when I was doing my reading, I'm pretty sure that I saw The Raven was actually about a different type of bird. It was talking about crows, but because of language at the time... It was called something different. Wait, so Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven was written about a crow? I think so. On what basis? What do you mean on what basis? I'm just saying that it they had a, a different... Raven. I think we, we should be able to assume that it's a raven. So, okay, I have somewhere in my notes here, I have the first recorded time that crows were described in a nature book. And it was, okay. I think it was later than The Raven was written. Let me quick look it up. It's somewhere in my notes on my table here. So this makes sense. There was a time before crows were classified and distinguished from ravens as a separate species of bird. And what you're suggesting right, is that exactly. Edgar Allan Poe would have called crows ravens because scientifically they were identified as the same thing. Right. Now, I do want to double check those dates. So it was 1758 that the 10th edition of Systema Naturae was yeah. written by Swedish naturalist Carl Linnaeus. And that is when crows were first named. Now let's look up the raven. I've got right here the complete tales and poems of Edgar Allan Poe as published by Barnes & Noble in my hands. Let's see. So Edgar Allan Poe was, lived 1809 to 1849. Yeah, he wrote that in 1845. I'm totally wrong. Yeah, crows were a thing. 
Yeah, crows Sorry, were a Edgar. thing. You uh, got no excuses. If you screwed up I thought up I birds, had a fun fact. It was uh, fake news. He should have known better. No, he was probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong. Anyway, so the fun thing about looking up the Australian magpie is that the Australian magpie is not related to any other magpie. So the other magpies are related to crows, but the Australian magpie is its own bird. It's under a totally different genus. But that is what I was thinking of when I heard the word magpie. Well, I guess that's a point for magpies, that they aren't actually related to the dick version of a magpie. (laughs) I guess. But that's also a point for crows, then, because they're also not related. Yeah, but crows have been getting a lot of points lately. I kind of want to level the playing field a little bit. Let's let's give the magpies some love. Magpies are very cute. They look like little songbirds. They've got blue tips of their wings, a pretty long tail feather. Yep. Short I'm looking at some beak. pictures now. Yeah. They're really cute. I think that they're prettier than crows. They're more colorful. Yeah. Do crows come in any other colors? Yes. So there are there are many different types of crow, but I mean black is the most common and also birds can see different colors than we can so there's probably blues and greens and purples in there that are really deep and vibrant but our eyes are just seeing it as oh that's a blackbird yes so they're still colorful we just don't know it right but we oh do know the other about... i mean how can i not bring up though that crows and magpies are regarded as some of the most intelligent animals on the planet they have passed the mirror test, you know, where they can recognize themselves in a mirror. Okay. They will collect things and trade with humans. They will, like, find buttons or money even, shiny things. They will take it and trade it to humans for food or for other shiny things. Nice. Like, they have a system of bartering. Which is amazing. They can also communicate with other species of bird. Oh, wow. That's very uncommon. They're just really fascinating. And they recognize faces. So you had mentioned that you like to be nice to crows just in case. That is very good and sound logic because crows make enemies, but they also make really good friends. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And, like, I think they are still wild animals, so... They're they're smart, but I have a feeling they're very impulsive. Uh, I don't know. I think that if you built up a relationship with a crow over a number of years and then you do something to piss it off, I don't think it's going to make an enemy out of you. I think it's just going to, you know, go off and leave you alone for a day or two, but you're still friends. What I'm kind of getting at is if you do make the mistake of turning a crow into an enemy, it won't hesitate to come at you with its claws just because it feels like you looked at it funny. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, you don't want to make an enemy of the crow because the crow will fuck with you. See, now, I think you're talking more about the nature of the Australian magpie. I think that a crow, when it has an enemy, they're more vindictive. They will poop on your car or make your Uh. life a living hell. Like, they will target you, but it won't be violent. You know what I mean? They are cerebral animals. They're conducting psyops on us. 
<laughs> you know, I would love to just start feeding a wild bird and like keep pigeons or something on the roof. Yeah, Gotta be careful. I feed the you know, you start feeding these birds. The next thing you know, you wake up and like your entire leg is just down its throat. What? I'm pretty sure that's snakes. I'm I'm making a reference <laughs> to snakes. <laughs> anyway, so okay, have you made a decision on which bird is better, crows or magpies? I do have to give another set of points to magpies for being more colorful in my eyes. Like, sure, crows can be very colorful to other crows and their advanced abilities to see colors, but that's not really so interesting to me. It's like, here's the best song on Earth. You just can't hear it because it's played at a frequency that's... (laughs) Yeah, just trust me. Just trust me. It's the best song. You can't hear it, but trust me. I'm not going to (laughs) be fooled like the emperor's new clothes. Clothes so great you can't even see them. Turns out. There weren't any clothes at all. I mean, in that story, the only person who was fooled was the emperor, right? I would say yes. So just be wary that's, that's if somebody's why I'm trying saying. to sell you. Oh, okay, I understand. You're, yeah. you're trying you're trying to sell me that crows come in a bunch of different colors, and I say, I don't see it. Uh, Magpies, I mean, on the other hand, I can see that. Yeah, they're very cute. And so I mean, points to magpies for being <laughs> visibly colorful. Yeah, so I think we've pretty much gotten through all of the things I had written down. I'm sure I'm forgetting things because a lot of things I have internalized about crows, I just didn't think to write down. So So I've heard that crows are able to mimic voices in the same way that parrots do. Like you can teach a crow to talk. I don't know about words, but they absolutely can mimic so for example i was reading a story about a crow that it puts on a southern accent and it says call call because they were making fun of all the tourists that came through <laughs> like they were they were just making fun of their silly accent but the fact that birds could make fun of something and think that it's silly in the first place like what yeah that is that is a, a sign of higher intelligence for one animal to go to another one and be like, hey, check this out. If you're listening to this and you have a thick southern accent, I don't think your accent is silly, but don't make an enemy of the crows. Yeah, I, I, I would say, hey, you know what? If you have a thick southern accent and like crows start making fun of you, don't take it too personally. They're just leave birds. them some gifts. Leave yeah, them some them shiny give them a sticker. <laughs> a gold star for you and a gold star for you that's fun i like the idea of creating shiny stuff to give to crows because that's the one thing we know they like they like shiny stuff oh yeah giving them a little star that's been covered in foil or or something something like that is that ethical or is it wrong? Because what we're doing is basically creating something that we know is littered just so that the crows have something nice to look at. I mean, if you're going to put it in a zone where the crows know that this is like their gift zone, they will carry it away to their n- nest or give it yeah. to somebody for a piece of food. You never know. <laughs> but like they will take care of it. It won't be litter. It is now crow money. 
So do you think any crows have like achieved the billionaire status as far as crows go? <laughs> I don't think they're hoarders. <laughs> like they're not dragons. They're not sitting on a giant pile of shiny things. They right. collect things, but I don't think that they hoard them. I think it's more of like, this is cool. This brings me joy. And then as soon as it no longer brings them joy, you know, they're like, okay, I'm going to pass this on to this person and see if they have anything better for me. Okay. So that they trade amongst each other as well as with people. I'm not sure, actually. I I was more talking about them trading with people, but I would assume that they started by trading with each other. I don't know. I'd have to look into a lot of information to figure that out. Maybe even get a degree <laughs> in that kind of thing. Evolutionary no, biology. You don't, like, you don't need a degree to jump to conclusions about things. <laughs> So we were discussing whether or not crows have an economy amongst themselves and if any of them have reached it to the top. And that kind of feels like a decent cliffhanger to go into a break. How do you feel about that, Devin? I feel good about that. I think that we've hit all of my marks. Let's take a quick break. All right. Hey everybody, trigger warning for the second half of this episode. We touch on topics of political unrest, segregation, and our idea of social justice programming. You might really like what you're about to hear. You might not. As always, we're taking feedback. You should also know, if you listen to the very end, we have a special message to send you out this week. Thanks again for listening. Welcome back from break. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Good, me too. So in the first half, you all heard me try to educate you on something I know nothing about. Um, Crows and magpies are very cool birds, but honestly, there's so much more I could know about them. Please give us anything you know. Maybe we'll feature it. If you think about it, podcasting could be really good practice for substitute teaching. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, truly. It's like, uh, okay, I know I'm supposed to teach you about this, but uh, I don't do this all the time. So (laughs) we're even doing that thing. You walk in the room and you're like, all right, so who can tell me what you were learning about? Hey, we're probably going to get stuff wrong, so like, just just let us know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Correct me. If you do have any feedback to correct us or uh, give us any pointers, you can email us at mgmt at littlecontext.com. Keep that in mind. We'd love to hear from you. We would. Now, Matt, I believe you told me that you have a new segment idea. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so uh, I have a a new segment to introduce called If I Were Mayor. And the idea is things aren't run the best in the world. (laughs) Understatement of the century. Right, so there are a bunch of problems. But if I were mayor, everything would be perfect. (laughs) 
So, okay. So what you're doing is you're proposing how the world would be perfect? How my city would be perfect at, at any okay. rate. We can't change the world. We can just control the the one that uh, that that we live in. So, in little context town, we've got our own set of rules. Oh, okay. So, are we going to implement these rules and try to keep that going? Well, I, I think the idea is uh, we're going to develop this this community, and we're going to have these rules in place. And very few of them are actually going to relate to the running of a podcast. They are going to be more like municipal infrastructure priorities and things okay, like that. Okay, I think I'm still going to try to picture this little town and the people in it. You should, because that's <laughs> okay. what we're, that's the goal, is we're creating our own little town that people live in. So the goal is to periodically introduce new laws based solely on our women fancy. And to, to clarify, I'm not the mayor. I'm just another city <laughs> council member. <laughs> but you're dreaming about being mayor. Yes, I have a, a deep-rooted power fantasy to be in charge, as do you, and as do all of the listeners. Does that right. make sense? So yeah. we're all on the city council, and we're all trying to be mayor. Yeah, but but really, it's okay. just you and me, because... Yeah, okay. Or, I mean, it, point, if a guest comes on, if we, if we have a guest down the line, and they want to be mayor, and they propose a law for our town, we'll vote on it. We're going to... We'll we'll discuss it. We'll bring to the table, and we'll see if it if it passes into law. If it becomes active policy. All right. Tell us what would you do if you were mayor? Well, I think in uh, in the context of crows versus magpies, one of these birds is native, and the other one's an outsider. So, okay. So which one is native to a little context town? Oh shit. Yeah. Where is a little context town? Are we are we gonna say just like a small town in central Pennsylvania, like the one we're in? Sounds good to me. I mean, we can also, it can be like a Springfield situation where it's like an every town. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, we can take observations from around the world, places that we've been, and we are putting that into a little context town. So it's all fair game. Yeah. I think uh, if you pull from a variety of different places and see how people do things that might be different from the way you do it, there's a lot to be learned. And uh, there's a lot to take inspiration of different ways of doing things. So the little context town, if I were mayor, would be definitively pluralist and take inspiration from all sorts of different cities from around the world. In the, the crows and magpies situation, I guess we'd, we'd want to we'd be able to include both, right? Uh, and ravens? And ravens, yes. But not those bastards, the Australian magpie. Yeah, they can They're get not lost. allowed in. They, mm, oof. If there's any group to marginalize, it's those, <laughs> it's those Australian magpies. All right, so <laughs> go on. Yeah. It, as far as immigration goes, if you're here, you're here. So we've got our little context town. We know that ravens, crows, and magpies are all allowed to live there. Magpies, the real ones. And we also know if you're here, you're here. So are, are there turf wars between these birds? That's my that's um, my chief concern. What are we going to do to prevent the turf wars? Okay. So what happened here between these birds? Why don't they get along? I think we need to figure that out before we can figure out how to prevent the war. Well, I, I imagine that there's extant tension 
based on the income inequality where crows are taking all the shiny things. And then magpies, mm. what do they get? They get a wee nursery rhyme. That's it? Crows yeah, have I, that too. I live in a little context town, and all I got was this crummy nursery rhyme. It's not crummy. Yeah. It's cute. So, okay. So there's inequality. And how can we make it more equal between these birds? So crows obviously have the upper hand, right? Because they've got the shiny things. And the, yeah, and people are yeah. trading with them. How can we get people to trade with the magpies? That's the question. Yeah, how how do you how do you get people to trade with the magpies and also not not threaten the uh, the crows because if they start feeling disenfranchised, that kind of elevates things for them. Um, I I would say it's tough. I, I think like a UBI situation would be good with like little bits of foil. Universal base income. Yeah. Yep. So everybody gets a little bit of the currency. So like rationing the currency. How, where is this currency coming from? Like how does it get, like where well, is I mean, this, where's the stock? Obviously it's coming from restaurants that get big industrial sized rolls of foil. Ah, uh, okay. But is it, is the foil worth anything to anybody except the birds? Yeah, that's the other question. And I think that there's another question, too, that if if we start basically cutting off bits of foil and leaving it out, that would lead to inflation because we aren't circulating the foil. We're just pumping it into the bird economy. So what if we just get rid of currency, right? Okay, so there's no tinfoil. The tinfoil belongs to the restaurant because they use it for food, right? They use it. It's used. It's circulated within that system. But it's not an effective currency because it is limited. The regulations would become too complex. So what if instead we did, well, it's still trade. The currency is not one thing like that. It's more like if the crows need, what do crows need? And what do magpies need? Let's say one wants the orange peels and one wants the orange insides. Is that true? Is that a thing? No, I don't think... Well, it can be in a little context town. So they're fighting over all these oranges, right? And so the crows want the orange peels and the magpies want the orange insides. But all the crows have all the oranges. They're only using part of the orange. Is this a metaphor? Are you literally talking about birds hoarding oranges? I'm literally talking about birds hoarding oranges. It's now, also a that, metaphor, but this is a little I, context town. Well, all right. So in the little context town, we write the policy. We don't write bird behavior. The birds are going to do bird things. They're going to do whatever they want to do. We can't control them and or assume that they're going to take the oranges. And I don't think we have effective documentation that, that we've observed birds preferring orange peels over orange insides. <laughs> If we if we write policy based on that, the birds that get the orange peels are probably going to be pissed because they're like, this is totally made up. Orange peels are gross. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then we do need to learn more about crows and magpies. I didn't have enough information for us to effectively do this segment if we're not going to rely on metaphors. Well, I, I, so... Relying on metaphors isn't necessarily the issue because what we what do we know they like? We know they like shiny things. 
But do we don't know if magpies like shiny things. We don't know if magpies like shiny things? I don't. Do mag- okay, Google All right, time. let's look it up. All right. All right, magpies and do, they? do not steal trinkets and are positively scared of shiny objects, according to new research. The study appears to refute the myth of the thieving magpie, which pervades European folklore. It is widely believed that magpies have a compulsive urge to steal sparkly things for their nests. Let's also double check if crows indeed like shiny things. Crows and ravens, blue jays and other corvids love shiny objects that they collect and put in their nest or stash in a hiding place they choose. They have been known to steal jewelry and coins, buttons, and other small shiny objects that attract their attention. Okay, so trying to give magpies shiny objects would be wrong. Kind of like you're you're basically right where, let's say, there's a piece of bread that's wrapped in foil. The magpie wants the bread and the crow wants the foil. Right. Okay, so then our problem becomes if there's a surplus of shiny things in the town and a lack of bread or the opposite. Here's how I think this is going to relate to preventing turf wars between crows and magpies. We redistribute the shiny and we carve out a shiny free community for the magpies. And then like in the area that has a higher concentration of shiny objects, the crows will naturally form communities there but that's creating turf that's yeah that's so we want integration we want everybody to live together in a little context town you're here so it, it there's there's another idea which is we want we want everybody to live comfortably and human beings we have observed will naturally uh, self-segregate and i don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing so if, if you're congregating with like like people and you see people who look like you and, and want to be around them or you identify with a community, feeling most in tune with that community and, and that community being cohesive is healthy, right? Yeah, for sure. So we've got the two bird communities. It's just a matter of ensuring that there is still comfort for, for both groups of birds. And being comfortable in a diverse community. Yes. I think that a lot of comfort comes from knowing that there is a safe place for you, right? Like you can go and venture out and be in an environment that's unfamiliar around beings that you aren't necessarily familiar with. But so long as you know your way back to that safe place, you should be good. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like you're not able to focus on the love and belonging tier until you've taken care of the safety tier, and you can't think about the safety tier until you've figured out the physiological needs. Yes, you're right. You need to feel safe in order to really make connections with these other birds. Right. Having that, that safe place for those birds to make connections with each other in a healthy way. So, the crows having shiny things in their nest, is that... <laughs> oh, this is so dicey. <laughs> Why? Oh, we're, we're discussing the, the merits of community segregation. <laughs> I don't think that... I mean, clearly that's not our goal. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I'm not actually worried about that. Yeah, I mean, we need decent. to figure... If we're going to figure out how to 
make a little context town perfect. Right. We, we really need to figure out these birds. Yeah, we need to get these birds right. We need to get to the bottom of this. We need to understand the problem so that we can find a real solution that's going to solve it from all sides. Yes. So, so I guess what we really need, assuming that crows have already been in Little Context Town and now magpies are coming in so that we have a, a happier, more robust community, we need to have a reliable point of contact for the magpies and the crows to have like a, a central hub we need we need like a community center yes or some kind of social program where if there are any concerns or grievances that the magpies or crows might have they can submit that and then we can address the issues as they arise okay yeah i feel like that's a really good place to start so in a little context town Right now, we've got crows, ravens, and magpies. Uh, we've mostly been talking about crows and magpies. So maybe the ravens are kind of like, they're they're pretty taken care of right now. <laughs> they're happy. They're living their lives. Crows and magpies, there's a very real inequity there. Right. And so what we've done essentially is we've put in a community center for people to go to when they need help so who's going to be going to this community center it's just going to be the magpies i mean it's a haven for magpies but having crows there too would be good so how do we get the crows there so it needs to have something that they both want bread i think well you're not supposed to feed ducks bread is that right Yeah, ducks ducks can't eat bread. They can't digest it well. So if you're trying to go on a date with your significant other and you're going to go feed the ducks at the lake, keep that in mind. Don't bring bread. Bring like seeds and nuts and things like that. That thing. Look up what ducks can reasonably digest before you have that romance. Yeah, bread is not duck food. Bread is not duck food. As much as it's really cute. When they go nuts for it, I think the ducks are going to really thank you more when you give them what they're looking for. Yeah, it's like feeding a kid Brussels sprouts. Uh, yeah. You know, like, they want the cake, but they'll be stronger with the Brussels sprouts. (laughs) I think that the ducks like the seeds, too. And Brussels sprouts are delicious. So if your kid likes Brussels sprouts, like me... Uh, good. <laughs> How long did it take for you to appreciate Brussels sprouts, though? I know it took me until I was in my teens to even consider Brussels sprouts as something that could be pleasant. I don't know. I don't. I feel like I started liking Brussels sprouts more like oh, early middle school or maybe like late elementary. I, I'm not sure when I gave up the Brussels sprouts or icky phase, but it was definitely fairly young. I remember eating them as a kid and loving them. I mean, that's, if you ask me, a little bit weird. Uh, We all have our tastes, you know? Like, some kids just won't eat chicken nuggets. What? Yeah, that is is pretty shocking. (laughs) Kids are weird. Kids are weird, but we love them. We want the best. Yeah, they're living their best life. They're living their truth. And you know what? 
Sometimes you have to just say no to chicken nuggets. Don't you ever say that around Nancy Reagan. (laughs) I want to find the terminology to describe the proposed policy for our crows and magpies community center and also have a comprehensive functional outline of how it works. Okay. When I think about the community center, I'm thinking of there's a difference between equality and equity, but then beyond that, there's a, there's justice, right? And I'm picturing that, that comic, the, the image the of the... Yeah, it's a fence. So first of all, there's a, a wooden fence and there's three people standing in front of it. One is really tall and he can see over the fence. The middle person is not tall enough to see over the fence, but... The third person is the shortest and there's no chance that they can ever see over the fence just based on how short they are, right? Yeah. So you can give everybody one box to stand on and then two of the three people can see over, but one of them could see over to begin with. So what's better in that situation? That two people can see over as opposed to one, right? Yeah. Now, how can we get all three to see over? We can divvy the boxes up so we can give the shortest person two boxes, the middle person one box, and the tallest person no boxes, right? So what that does is everybody can see over the fence. That used a lot of resources, right? That used the same amount of resources, but it was better divvied out. So... If we get rid of the barrier and instead of a wooden fence, we use one of those chain link fences, everybody can see through. They're protected from being hit by the ball at the baseball game. They're protected if the ball goes and hits the fence, but they can still see what's going on. All three of them can because the system was changed. Right. So that would be justice, I think. There's equality, which is where everybody gets one box equity where the shortest person gets two boxes and then i think justice is where the system is changed so that everybody can see but they're also not having to jump through all these hoops yeah so how do we reach that point with the crows and magpies i I don't know if it's something that we'll get to by the end of this segment we have to we have to. <laughs> oh, my I, gosh. We are not leaving until we have uh, an effective policy to get these birds taken care of. We're not going to revisit the birds in another episode. Okay. This, this policy will be handled. So we need a community center. We need a community center that gives the birds what they need, which we're going to say what they need is food and, if need be, shelter. Is that a building, a structure? Is that something that we install like in a, in a town square as like a, a kind of statue or monument with feeders in it? Um, I don't know. I feel like th- so th- their housing would be nests, right? Yep. So it wouldn't really be a feeder. Well, yeah. I mean, there'd have to be food there. There'd have to be a really big nest. One really big nest with a really big feeder and they can come and go as they need or please to get those resources 
Now, to ensure that, that none of these birds are gaming the system, I think we should have in place, like, clerks in the form of crows and magpies, but wearing vests. <laughs> uh, like argyle sweater vests, please? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. And what that also does is it communicates to the, the crows and the magpies that have been fitted with these vests, like, we have the same job. We're, we're... They have to be identical vests on the different birds. It is uniform. That way they know that they are equals, right? Uh-huh. Now, they, they'll be different from the other birds. We'll have to keep an eye on them and make sure they aren't abusing their newfound power. But what we have there is ambassadors for these birds to come to and communicate with if they need any special resources or if one of the magpies is particularly scared about a crow's shiny things and the way that the crow is trying to, you know, create peace and... and offer them a piece of foil, I think that that's a reasonable thing to to expect, is that a crow that is trying to make peace is actually delivering an item that this magpie, according to Google, is frightened by. So if the magpie perceives the threat, I think it's important that they have this ambassador to, to go to that will then also explain to them that, like, no, that's not the intention, or, you know, diffuse the situation, de-escalate, get people back down to earth and and communicate that we're all doing this so that these birds can live comfortably, right? Right. Are the crows frightened by anything within the magpie's nature? It's possible. Uh, I I didn't see any article written that they were, but that's why we have one of each bird. And it's very good that the crow is able to communicate with birds of different species. We will find the crow that can effectively communicate with the magpies the best to be that ambassador. And now we have that flow of communication where the crow can communicate with the magpie, magpies can communicate with each other, and the crows can can relay that information. So now what we have is a bridge between the two communities. Okay. So, yeah, we do need a bridge. Yeah. And we that bridge... bridge. The, these birds are attracted to the bridge because it's a reliable source of food. So we have a reliable source of food in a centralized location. We have two birds, at least, wearing vests and communicating with each other, communicating with birds of their own species. And bingo, bango, you've merged those communities. I have no idea what the hell to do about ravens, but they, they can figure their own thing out. They've got that, they've got that Poe money. They're good. Well, yeah, I mean, we have made the communities have a safe space. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. I think that's a good way to keep them from having a turf war. Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't solve everybody's problems, but it's definitely... It's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's a solution. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if if I were mayor, I I would put that into into policy that we would have this structure, which is a bridge between bird communities. And let us know what you think if you support that policy or if you have any opposition. You can discuss it on online forums and determine whether or not that is, in fact, the uh, the direction of a little context town. Thank you so much for listening and for showing your support to this project. I am having so much fun hanging out with you guys me too this is a great time this is our third episode we got the idea for this episode based on your feedback Uh, we really love hearing from all of you 
we're, we're doing our best to respond to everything, everything that, that we hear about the show directly to you. And right now, that is something that's very possible because we're still getting started and things are very small. We'd love to expand. So please continue to tell people you know that, that this is going on and how much fun it is. Yeah. Where can they find us? So the best way to contact the show, if you want your ideas to be brought up and used in an episode, is the email, mgmt at littlecontext.com. If you want to reach out to uh, me or Devin specifically, uh, we're online. I'm on Twitter, at Spicy Hogan. I am also on Twitter, at Devarooney. I don't know how to use Twitter yet, so... Go ahead, send me something. But if you've got other ways of contacting me, that might be better for right now. We might even be kind of hard to find because neither of us have a strong follower base whatsoever. I I think I'm still sub 50 followers. Oh, I'm definitely sub 50 followers. I think I've got like seven and they're all my family. Yeah, uh, but I, I know I post relatively regularly, and it's it's mostly just jokes and fun little bits like that. So give me a follow. It should be a good time. And, uh, you know, the, the more word that we can get out, the more robust and active uh, community we can have around just hanging out and having a good time, discussing a variety of human interest topics and whatever else. Yeah, so stay tuned. Next week, you can get a little more context. Thank you for listening. We love you. Hey, Little Context listeners, Matt here. Thanks for listening to our third episode about crows and magpies. Now, this episode got particularly political in the second half when we discussed at length the importance of maintaining social harmony for birds in an imaginary town. While that was all good and fun, not enough was said or done to create justice in the world that we actually live in. A world that could use a lot of reform right now to get us closer to the systemic justice as depicted in that webcomic that Devin described. To show our legitimate support for social improvement, we decided to put our money where our mouths are this week and made a small donation of $50 to the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, specifically because we see them funding projects to fight voter suppression and a number of other causes to strengthen human rights and improve lives across the United States. While we crack jokes about putting birds in sweater vests, there are people working tirelessly to fight injustice with help from the ACLU. There are tons of good causes out there to support, and Devin and I agree that this is a cause we are proud to support at this time. We're not affiliated with the ACLU in any way, but we recommend you check them out and consider supporting them yourself in order to build a more just world for our friends and neighbors. A little context can lead to a big laugh every now and again, but little gestures can lead to enormous changes around the world, and it's up to us to ensure that even the little things we do, we do because we believe it's right. Hopefully that inspires you to go out and do something good. Thank you, and take care.